anything. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Be Insightful in Technology podcast. I'm your host, Shakira Johnson, also known as Shy, and I'm here to help you gain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be insightful in technology. So let's get into today's episode. So I met her through LinkedIn, and she is a career transitioning coach. I've had a career coach throughout my journey, and I felt the I felt like it was super helpful, and I feel like almost everyone should have one, especially if you're just starting. It's the better way to have a smooth road. Well, it's going to be bumpy either way, (laughs) but it is a good way to understand and be able to ease into your career with someone alongside in your corner helping you. So let's let her introduce herself and then we're going to get into how she started and how she helps and support other women. Hello. Thanks so much, Shai, for inviting me to be here. It's exciting to be to talk to people. Um, who probably was like I was years ago, ready to do a whole 180 degree shift and nervous as all get up about, is this the right thing to do? Should I do it now? What should I know? What don't I know? So that is is what I do in a nutshell. So as a career coach, my name is Dr. Tawana Carter. And as a career coach, I work with busy women executives and folks who are struggling with self-criticism and imposter syndrome stress and anxiety, right? So that they can increase their mental fitness and enjoy the lives and and careers that they're working on building, right? Because, you know, we talked a little bit about before we went live is we have this ability to do these great and wonderful things. And we have this drive, we're trying to reach our goals, but we can get hung up along the way. We can get lost. And then all of a sudden we're working, 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 but we're not enjoying it. It doesn't feel fulfilling. You know, yes, we're, we're knocking out the ballpark and we're doing all these things, but it's not fun anymore. And what's the purpose of having a job? Yes, you need it to pay the bills, don't get me wrong, but it should also be fulfilling. It should also, when you go to bed at night, you're like, oh, I know that today. I'm good about that. Versus like, oh my God, that was messed up. What was I thinking? Did I do it right? I don't know what I'm doing. What are someone, the doubts that can sell you. So that's, that's part of what I do as a career transition coach, right? Um, we talked a little bit about this before, but so I'm someone who has social anxiety. I am also an introvert and I'm also an empath. And my first job was in leadership and the intersectionality of being an empath and an introvert and having social anxiety kind of collided and went kaboom it was not good. I, I, I didn't have a clue, right? I needed a career coach very early on in my life to say the career you have chosen doesn't quite match with your energy and who you are. It didn't, but it's what people said I should do. And I had this degree and well, I said, I got this scholarship. I got to go into the army, but I didn't, I didn't have someone in my corner guiding me. Could I have made a career out of the military? Absolutely, with the right guidance. And so that really is what pulled me into career transition was there were so many things I could have done and done well. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know me. I I didn't know me. At the time, I didn't know I was an empath. At the time, I didn't know I had social anxiety. And at the time, I didn't even know I was an introvert. 
So I didn't know me, right? And so when we talk about what I do as a career transition coach, I take people on a journey. And the first part of that journey is the V and VIP is visible, not just visible to an employer, to hiring managers and recruiters, but visible to you. Who are you? What are your best points? What are your okay points? What are your gaps? And what do you need to pull up on? What's the best environment for you to work in based on your energy and your personality and who you are? And a lot of people miss that, you know? Yes, I'm in leadership. At the time, I thought I was in the wrong place at the wrong job in the wrong time, and I would never be a leader. You know, 30 something years later, I am still a leader, but I'm leading my own company. I never saw that. I didn't see that coming. I felt like a failure in that first job because I had low self-confidence. I had low self-esteem. I didn't understand what being an introvert meant. I didn't take my time out for myself. And then when I did, I felt like I was a failure because everybody else is a and they're in front of people and they're yelling at people and they're screaming at people and they're cursing people and everybody's going, that's a leader. <laughs> I was none of that. <laughs> I was none of that. And guess what? I was never going to be any of that. But I wasted so much time thinking I was a failure because I didn't know me. Honestly, that is amazing that you've be able you were able to curate that journey to find yourself and I do want to dive into like how that journey like how did it go was there anything that was like the turning point to make you realize that hey this is me yeah so I was about 28 when I heard this thing extrovert introvert and I was like what is that started doing the research and I was like holy cow this is me, this, this, this thing, this introvert thing is me. So it's okay to, you know, commit to going to a function, then going the day of God, I do not want to go to this function. I don't want to give this presentation. That was, oh, that was me, right? There was, I wasn't crazy. That was just me. And then a few years later, because in addition to being a, a professional certified coach, I'm also a licensed therapist. And I was sitting in one of my few first few classes as a therapist and had to look up social anxiety, do research. And I just kind of froze as I looked down at that computer screen because there I was. Under social anxiety, it's like they wrote my whole entire life. I feared being judged by people. I feared making mistakes. I felt like people were always watching me. I felt like people were always talking about me. I felt like I wasn't good enough, you know, and that was only compounded because my parents were poor. We, I grew up poor. Parents were poor. We grew up poor. And so I felt like that certainly financially, I would never be as good as anybody else because, well, we grew up poor. There were things that I never had as a kid that other people took as normal. I didn't. Those things and social anxiety set up Lemington beliefs about me for me about me. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm too tall. I'm not tall enough. I'm too big. I'm not big enough. It just set up all these Lemington beliefs that hindered me, right? And not only that, but there were messages, messaging that I got as a kid. You know, you're the ugly kid. You're the dark skinned kid. You don't have the long hair. You don't have the lighter skin. 
those are all messages that said to me, I'm not good enough. So what messaging did I take on my first job? Those, that first decade or two of my job, I'm not good enough. And no matter what I do, I'm not going to do it good enough. I'm not like everybody else. I wasn't brought up like everybody else, right? So when I sat there and saw that I had this, now this is my second thing, social anxiety. I was so happy I didn't know what to do with myself. This <laughs> probably not everybody's excited to know that they have social anxiety. Right? I was. Because at that point, up to that point, I thought I was mentally ill. I just thought I was crazy for the lack of a better word, what I thought. I really thought I was crazy. There was something wrong with me. And therefore, I was never going to be this. I was never going to have this career. I was never going to do that. And it was like, I couldn't, you know, everyone would say, oh, Tony, you're so intelligent. You're so smart. You're such a good worker. You're reliable. You're dependable. But I, it's like I couldn't move past the point. Everybody tells me I have all these skill sets and um, this intelligent and all this stuff. Why can't I move forward in my career? And when I found out I had social anxiety, that was like round one. I knew what I had. Now I could do something about it, right? And I determined that I don't care what messaging people gave me as a kid. I don't have to live down to someone's expectations. And that's what I was doing up to that point. I was trying not to be what someone said I was going to be versus being who the crap I wanted to be. Well, I have a question on that. So I know from my very young age, like we get told so many different things to where if we're not comfortable in our own skin or as you said, like you may not know yourself completely yet, other people's words drive how you operate. And I was like that for a little period of time. So I want to see, like, how did you eventually overcome it? You know, when, when I was a kid and I would hear, you know, I grew up in the South. And so in the time that I grew up in the sixties and seventies, you know, what adults said was true. You don't question, you don't talk back. You just accept it as, as truth. Right. So when these people were saying these really mean, ugly things about me, Part of my brain said, they're adults. What they say is true. But in my heart, I was going back in the night at nighttime and looking at myself in the mirror going, I don't feel sneaky. What are they saying about me that, that makes them say I'm sneaky? You know, I was very quiet as a child and very shy. And, and what they were saying is like, yeah, it's this quiet ones you have to be worried about because they sneaky, they underhanded. And so I was looking in the mirror going, but I don't feel underhanded. I don't feel sneaky, right? And, and there was always this part of me say, I know what they're saying, but I don't, I don't feel that. I, and I would search myself in the mirror trying to see what was it that they saw? Was I doing something incorrectly, right? And so that little voice in me that said, I don't feel that way, that voice stayed with me. Although the big messaging about the things they said about me, that's kind of how I live my life. Trying not to be what, trying not to be sneaky because they said I was sneaky. Trying not to be underhanded. I was like trying not to be those things. All the while there was a little voice in me saying, you know, I don't feel that way. But my actions were trying not to be. When I hit 30 something and I realized that I was living my life to not be what people told me I would be. So that meant I was trapped in the past because what they said about me was in the past. And therefore I would always be trapped in the past if I was trying not to be something they told me to. And I was like, you know what? 
Screw all of them. You know, I got one life to live. Why not try something different? And it was, and I'm going to say it was difficult as someone with social anxiety. Risk taking was not my thing. But I said, well, you know, I'm not going to jump off the whole cliff. But the first thing I'm going to do is say, screw everybody that has ever said something negative about me, forget you. I will not listen to you. I no longer care what you say about me. I'm only going to do the things that make me feel good. That was a little voice inside me like, yes, because I never felt sneaky. I never felt this. I never felt that. And I didn't, but adults said it was true. So there I was, 30-something thinking, yeah, it must be true. And I was like, no, you're an adult now. <laughs> you get to say it was true. And so I took that first step. You know, I ended up getting, you know, finishing my master's degree. And I was like, okay, I got that done. Oh my God, what am I going to do about a job? And so I applied, you know, I've been looking, you know, so I, my, my, my counseling degree is rehabilitation, right? So when you have, when you're a rehab counselor, for sure, you help folks with disabilities find jobs. I actually train on how to do that for two or three years, right? So um, of course, if I was going to do that for other people, I could do it for myself. And for the first time when I went for this job, I wasn't feeling like I was in it. Like when I got out of the military, I felt like I was a failure um, because I said I was going to retire the military. There I was, I got out in six and a half years. And when I had these people come in to say, oh yeah, we want you to do this, 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 all the jobs that they were, they wanted me to do was things where I was telling people, pushing people, um, you know, having to whip people into shape and I didn't like that. And so I was like, I don't like that. So when I got my master's degree, I was like, you know what? This is what I like to do because I like it. So here's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to get this job. If this doesn't work out, find something else to do. And that, that has been my take, right? On careers. I'm going to take a chance to do this job. If I like it, I will stay. If I don't like it, I will leave. And I got to tell you, I've been on some jobs in two months. I left. I know everybody says, oh, you got to put a year in that job. Mm -mm, two months, two months. The boss was toxic, cursing people, yelling people. My energy is not that. That's not who I am. It made me very uncomfortable. It had my anxiety sky high. And I was like, you know what? Here's this job over here. We're going to go apply for that job. I was the last person to interview for the job. They went, it was so funny. He said, Ms. Carter, you really play it kind of close there, don't you? I finished interviewing for the week, but because you said you completed the application, you called me late, I'll go ahead and interview. You got to do it Friday because I'm hiring somebody come Monday. Okay. I traipsed on in at about four o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> interview for the job. And so later on, you know, they told me that he said, I think we got the right one. I was the last person to interview. I was on that list for an entire year. What? Right. Cool. I was on the list for a year. I was number 14 out of 28 people. I was like, that job's a write-off. I'll never get it. I moved from 14 up to the first, the, the three people, three or four people that they interviewed, the last person to interview, and I got the job. And so that, that gave me something right there. I took a chance. I literally had this job. I started a job August 7th. And here I was like September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, interviewing for another job, right? <laughs> that was a risk, but I was like, you're not happy, leave. 
go, go do something else. And I tell folks, if it comes to your mental health, please ignore all the people who are telling you to stay in that job for a year before you move. No, once you lose your health, you, sometimes you can't get it back. And I've seen people that have strokes. I've seen people that have heart attacks, seen people get cancer because they were hanging in there on a job that was toxic, dealing with the stress and anxiety on a day-to-day -day basis. Once you lose your health, you can't get always get it back. So protect your health above all else. So yes, I've had a job I left in two months. It's the best move I ever did. Yes, I did. I want to ask. Do you feel like people, they feel like we owe everybody else something more than we owe ourselves, like our basic happiness? So yes, but that's social, a socialization thing for women, right? We're socialized to be caretakers. And I'm saying all women, but certainly I was born, tell my age, I was born in the 60s. So for women raised in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even some in the 90s, we are socialized to be caretakers. Caretakers take care of everybody else first. That's how we're socialized. That socialization then follows many of us into the job, especially if you're the oldest child or you are the responsible child. So not only are we socialized as women to caretake, but when you are that oldest child or the responsible child, you're even more so socialized to caretake and take care of other people before yourself. And in fact, you probably were socialized to think that self-care is selfish. It is not, but that's a socialization thing that a lot of women go through. So yes, when we show up for a job, we will take care of jobs. Research says that, right? Research says that I have a, um, a master class that I do. Um, that I talk about it. Research says that women who are leaders, when it comes to taking care of themselves, they do not. But when it comes to taking care of that company or doing things to make that company better, they're, hard, they're on board. They're on board. They will do it. They will take care of their team before they take care of themselves. That's socialization. And you do have to take a step back and understand that self-care is not selfish. But when you are not taking care of yourself, you're practicing self-abuse. When you're not getting enough rest, when you're not eating properly, when you're not getting enough sleep, when you're not taking time out. Like for me, I'm an introvert. I need that time away from other people. When you're not providing space for yourself to do that, that's self-abuse. People will tell you, oh, this is a go-getter. You're sacrificing for the job. You're giving everything to the job. What a wonderful work at all. You're being self-abusive. You can do self-care and give 100% to the job. They're not mutually exclusive. But you have to understand that it is up to you because other people will use you. They'll use your energy. They'll use your intelligence. They'll use your, you know, your ability to be responsible and reliable and dependable. They will use you and use you up and let you get burned out. They'll let you get sick. And then like guilt trip you for wanting to take time off to get better. So you have to learn how to put in boundaries. That's the, the key to that. Put in boundaries. Boundaries is that I practice self-care. So no, I can't take on 
the 15th project. I'm already full with the 13, 14 you've given me. In fact, I need to figure out how to back up off that. You know, many of us as when we're kids and we're the responsible child or the oldest child, we know that there are other children in the family that can help, but your parent, your mom or your dad will say, yes, but I know I can trust you to get it done. I know you're reliable and you can get that done. And so they pile on and they pile on. And, and, you know, I'm a parent myself. We don't do this purposely. Most of us don't. But we keep piling on the responsible child because we don't feel like being bothered with their child who might do it right and they might not do it right. But I trained you how to do it right, so I'll pile on you. We will do the same thing on jobs. I've seen it. I've seen organizations build silos around the people who work. They'll keep putting project after project after project after project. And there'll be other people in the office with nothing to do, sitting around drinking coffee, hanging around outside smoking with very little on their plate while one or two people are the silos in an office and everything is put on their back. And too many times it's women of color that we have everything put on our backs because we're socialized to do that. Women are, and especially women. What is about three tips or three things of advice to give to women who are looking to, I guess, step away from all that responsibility to be able to take care of themselves? So one thing that I did not get until I was older is I always do this. Get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor. Get a mentor. That's only five times. Get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor. <laughs> get a mentor get a mentor that's 10 times now get a mentor <laughs> get a mentor I had my first mentor um like in my 40s way too late but still I am now running two businesses because I had that mentor coach and he's still with me after five years get a mentor it doesn't matter the age but the earlier you do the better okay so that's the first thing if you can't find a mentor and I get some folks places they don't necessarily trust folks in their organization or they haven't met people outside of their organization to get a mentor get a career coach right so get a mentor and or career coach you can have both and depending on where you are you know in your career journey you'll need a sponsor as well because that's how you get into the c-suite so those things right learn how to set boundaries and always tell folks, when you set boundaries, you're really going to tick folks off. There'll be some people around you who will be so angry they cannot see straight. Why? Because without boundaries, they have used you as an extension of themselves. Your, you know, your reliability, your dependability, they'll use that for their life. Once you put up boundaries, they can no longer use you for that. And they're angry. So that's why people get angry. With you. So anytime you do boundaries work, you're going to make people upset or angry. So whether you get a coach or a mentor, you definitely need to have that coach and a mentor because they can help you navigate boundary setting. You need that, right? Third thing is never be afraid to take a risk. Small risks give small rewards. Big risks give big rewards. If you mess it up, you took a risk and you messed it up, you didn't fail, that's feedback. What did you not do right? What did you need to do better? Learn from that and pick it up and move. As I often coach my ladies, it's a lesson or a blessing. Whatever happens, you take that risk. If it works out, that's a blessing. 
if it didn't work out, that's a lesson because now you got to figure out what didn't work, learn that lesson, and then go ahead. So get a mentor and or career coach, set up boundaries, learn how to set up boundaries. That's a lifetime thing for you, setting up boundaries. And then don't be afraid to take risks because you either get great rewards, the blessing, or you will learn the lesson, but you will still move forward, whichever one you do. That is some great advice. I would say for, I definitely agree with all of, all of it because I have a mentor. I, the sponsor thing, I'm in the process of really understanding what a sponsor is and what they can do for them, what, what essentially they could do for you, what you could do for them. I'm still understanding mm-hmm. the sponsorship aspect of it, but I do want to dive deeper into what if you feel like you still have to have everything right before you go to a mentor like what are the the give and take relationship is it okay to go to a mentor when you don't have all your ducks in a row and that's yeah that's the whole point of going to a mentor because you your ducks are not all in a row if everything was all in a row why do you need mentor right so the difference between a mentor and a sponsor right so a mentor you know will get you you know best of all worlds early in your career. They can be in your organization or outside of your organization. You can have more than one mentor. You can have one in your organization, you have one out, right? So that is very much possible. But the mentor is showing you the ropes on your job, right? And it's not just, you know, it's, yes, you need this job, but what's next? And, you know, understand that when you have a mentor, you know, one of the things I probably should have said was learn how to network as well, because you do need to know how to network network. When you have a mentor, you now have access to your mentor's network. So yes, you build a network and you get a mentor, but you have access to your mentor's network. So when it comes to what's the best next step for your career, that's what your mentor helps you with, right? Um, I I mentioned to you that I didn't get a mentor until I was in my 40s and he's still my mentor coach. And so one of the things that he said to me was, no, no, I, I think you should do this. And what about this? Or have you thought about that? Or, hey, Tawana, here's this new thing. Have this really worked for me with my clients? Have you tried this? So my mentor coach is the reason why I'm, a, I'm an NGH certified hypnotherapist, right? Because of my mentor. Why? Why hypnotherapy? Because hypnosis helps with anxiety. It helps with self-esteem. It increase, helps you increase com- confidence right? It helps you maneuver political environments. You can use that because some folks are not politically savvy. And when you start talking about a a sponsorship, you need to build political savvy because now you need this person to, to, um, on your behalf, make contacts with you, introduce you to the right folk, right? And so sponsorships is, is different than a mentor. Anybody can be a mentor inside or outside Sponsorship, you're going to try to want that person to be within your organization if you're trying to move up and get the spots there. And if some mentors go on to become sponsors, that is possible. After they've mentored you and it's been a great working relationship, they can become your sponsor, but the relationship changes, right? Okay, so let's talk about your program and how you help women and how can they get in contact with you so that way they can eventually join your program or be under your coaching services? 
Right, right. So um, they can find me on LinkedIn, um, Dr. Tawana Carter. And I'm also on Facebook under that same name. Um, and so what I do is I coach women who are ready to change that career, right? And it's not just about career coaching to change the career, although you'll do that. But I also have my coaching program so that when you get the job, I actually do the follow-on coaching with you. I mentioned before, not everybody is politically savvy. I have social anxiety and I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily, when I go places, I don't always have that personality that just reaches out and grabs people and opens up. That's not my personality. So you need coaching and that's what I help folks with. Um, and some jobs you go into, the political climate is a little different. It's a little tricky, right? And so I am really great at helping people read other folks. I can sit, you know, give you an example. I had a client that came to me for anxiety, you know, anxiety coaching. And um, she just couldn't get her anxiety under control. I was like, okay, cool. Let's, you know, bring me everything you got about your supervisor. Tell me what's going on. And so she sent me the first set of documentation. I was like, holy cow, do you understand you're being managed out of your job? She says, I said, you're being managed out of your job. That's what's causing your anxiety. You're being managed out. What have you done? What did you say? What did you, nothing. She didn't know. I have this, just this innate ability to sit and talk with people. And you tell me who you work with and what they say, how you say it and, what, and all of that. And I can tell you what's going on in your environment and I can coach you on how to counteract that and make the best moves for your career. And so that's what I did for, for this, this young lady. And I got to say, the job was saved. They've been managing her out for about eight months. So I had about yeah. 60 days to work with her. I like, oh my God, this is because I looked at her, um, her evaluation reports and they've been documenting her for eight months. And they were like moving, like this is the last nail in the coffin to get rid of her. So we, we had to work fast, but we did. I taught her how to document. I taught her how to rebut. I taught her what to say. If he says this, you say it like that. If he says that, you say it like this. I coached her on all of that. Save the job. They moved her back to her old position and she won employee of the year next year. So um, coaching works, right? And so when I talked about, I mentioned the first step already about being visible. You got to know you. It's not just being visible and looking at your brand, although you know we'll look at the brand and that's important, but you do also need to know you, right? Then it is also about implementation. When we're saying implementation is not just like, oh, implement this. It's about taking the actions. And when you take the actions, having the sounding board, having your coach as a sounding board, how did that go? Okay, it wasn't quite what you expected, but how can we improve that? What do you think you should do next? How can you do it differently? Oftentimes people that are afraid to take risks, if they take something, it doesn't work out. They're like, I'm just a big fat failure. That was me. I failed. I absolutely failed, right? But it isn't true. That was feedback. And so I coach women when we talk about implementation. Yes, you, we do a plan. Yes, I do do the handholding with you. But when you implement, we come back and we break that down. What happened? What did happen? How did you say it? What, did you, what were you thinking? Why didn't you say it that way? We break all of that down, right? And then the VIP, the, the P part of that is prosperity. It's not just about money. Although, yes, I have folks who get $25,000 to $80,000 raises. Yes, we do that. But prosperity also in fulfillment. Do you feel like you belong? Are we getting you in the right position where you feel like you belong, right? Because I had positions where, yes, I got money, but I did, 
I never felt I belonged with the people there. And, and early on in my career, I just went with it and stayed with it. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. Mid-career, later career, I'm done. I found another job. I see y'all. It's been nice knowing you. Bye. <laughs> and it was understanding that I needed to be happy, not just everybody else on my job's happy because my work is so good and because I'm doing so much work, but I needed to be happy. So when we talk about prosperity, it's not just about the money part of it, but it's about the fulfillment part of it. Do you feel comfortable when you go home at nighttime? Do you feel okay with the day's work? You know, and being sure that you're not coming up on Monday morning and Sunday morning, Sunday night, where you're dreading to go back into this job, where you're sitting in meetings and you feel like an outcast, like you're not understanding people. That's not prosperity in a job. And, and we deserve to have that. We spend as much time as we do in our jobs. We should have that. Right. So um, I do give a 15 minute career solution call. It's free. Folks can reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn and schedule that call. And we work, we you know, talk about where you are in your career. What are your goals? I'll share with you what I do. And then if I'm absolutely certain that I can help you, I'll show you how to get started. And that's typically with a free 45 to 15 minute session where we actually do the deep dive and we lay out your plan how I can best help you. Well, I'll make sure to include all her links in the show notes so that way you can connect with her, especially since more women, we need more people in our corner for us. A lot of times we go out into the world and we have no clue what to do. We're pretty much answering to everybody who, you know, essentially everybody else's orders instead of like what we feel on our own is right. So definitely reach out to her. I do want to see you. Do you have a motivating and insightful quote before we sign off for the day? I do. Um, you talk to the ladies I coach, you'll hear this quite a bit. My Angelo, kind of paraphrasing, you did what you know when you know better, you do better. Hey. <laughs> 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 I felt that one. <laughs> I felt that one. All right. So thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really do hope to have more experience, more episodes with women who are helping each other lift up in their careers and outside of that as well, because life is more than just work. So thank you guys for tuning in to gain some knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be insightful in technology and in your career in general. So thank you guys and have a good day.